Welcome to the media ministry of Crossroads Church Aspen. To learn more about Crossroads, visit our website at ccaspen.com. We hope you enjoyed this message by Pastor Steve Woodrow. All right, thanks team. Hope everybody is doing well at home. Hope uh, you are continuing to kind of tune in and hopefully inviting people to join you and uh, still doing our watch parties until, um, let me grab my water, until hopefully we can gather on um, July 5th is the plan. We have some meetings. We hope to get detailed info out to everybody this week would be the plan. Um, Hopefully that will be the case. Please pray for that. We've got all kinds of decisions and things to coordinate um, that we'll be able to do that. Um, All right. Well, folks, we've got a lot going on, obviously, in our world and um, our communities. We're going to go at it this morning. This is the People Series, questions from you. And obviously, we've had a lot of questions come in around uh, the protests, around the pandemic, around just things related to politics uh, this morning. We're going to just dive in and and really take a look at these things. Uh, And I want to just couch all this with the question of how do we really change the world Um, and really go after that question. And I think, I hope that you have your Bibles and your uh, journals or paper available to take some notes. My goal here is that we will dive into the gospel, into the Word of God, and first be able to lay a foundation of what a healthy uh, kingdom perspective is that we are called into, that we have those kingdom eyes as we look at these things, uh, that we're not still operating like the world when we're addressing these things and as we move forward, especially with all the different circumstances around us. And then as we do that, um, move this morning to really deal with Uh, just some perspective on three um, big issues. One being, obviously, the pandemic perspective, kingdom perspective, uh, politics, oh boy, a kingdom perspective, and then protest, a kingdom perspective, and just try to uh, take a look at some of these. Um, My hope is to give this morning some just real practical things that you can talk about with your family and with your friends along these lines uh, as believers, as the church, as those who are in the kingdom, living for the kingdom of God, who've been changed by the gospel of Jesus, that uh, we would have a right kingdom perspective. Because, man, let's be honest, it is tough in this day and age to, with everything going on, to to know, am I responding in the flesh? Am I being pulled into the, the hot issue of the day? Am I being pulled into the ways of the world? Or am I really following Jesus? Am I following the Holy Spirit and with a kingdom perspective on, on what is happening? So that's kind of what we're going to go after this morning. Um, I'm going to be in Luke, uh, sorry, I'm going to be in John chapter 18 as we start this morning. If you want to find your way there, John chapter 18. Um, Move along here. How to change the world. It's a big question, and maybe we can tweak it a little bit and say, how do we really change the world? And uh, this is a great question, and we we should be, um, all of us, right, should live with a sense of stewardship, a sense of, yes, changing our circumstances, right, for good. Uh, So all of that is good. We just need a right perspective on that to understand. So uh, you have uh, the text number. I think it's on the screen on the the broadcast there. It's 970-717-0087. We'd love to hear uh, from you. Brian's got the 
the iPad, and so we would would love to take your prayer requests, questions. If this if this morning doesn't create questions, nothing will. Okay, I can promise you. Um, so please let those questions. If we don't get to them, I I, I hope to answer. I, I hope to answer a lot of the questions right here, the ones that you've already sent in on how do we respond to some of these things? How do we listen, encourage, and, and all these different things? So um, please uh, send your, again, that number is 970-717-0087 um, to, uh, to Brian, and we'll, we'll uh, deal with those. And again, if we don't get to them this morning, we w we'll continue either to hit them next week, uh, or we will uh, hope to get to them through the, um, throughout the week. All right, let me pray for us, and we're going to dive right in to just lay a foundation. Start with uh, John chapter 18 um, this morning. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus this morning. We are desperate for you. Holy Spirit, we need you. We need your perspective, God. We need your power. We need your insight. We need your ability, Lord, to give us ears to listen. We need you moving to open our hearts, God, to, Lord, to be in tune with you, to have a, a kingdom perspective with everything that is going on, God. Um, Lord, we just ask right now you'd come and illuminate, Lord, our hearts, our minds with the power of your word, God. Lord, I pray that you would um, rise... Up, move, Holy Spirit, awaken your church, God. Um, Reestablish, Lord, the mission you've given your people to be the salt and the light, Lord, to be change agents, Lord, for your glory, God. And Lord, we need wisdom now more than ever, Lord, to know how to act. Lord, the gospel doesn't just change us to, to like change our mentality. The gospel comes to change us, Lord, for action as well. And we need wisdom on what that appropriate action. And, uh, Lord, to know that we are living for your kingdom, that we are in step with you. Jesus, you tell us in John 15, you tell us that without you, we can do nothing. In other words, if we're not walking with you, if we're not in tune with you, that our actions, all of our efforts and causes, Lord, are fruitless, Lord, without you. And, Lord, I pray that you just restore, revive your church today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Um, this is John 18. And uh, I think the big question for us uh, that I want all of everything that we are talking about this morning is in the hopes of reviving, awakening a, a, a kingdom of God perspective rather than a kingdom of the world perspective. And we see all in the scripture, Jesus, Father sent Jesus to this world to save us out of this world, out of the kingdom of darkness, into the kingdom of light. That we would be the light of the world, as he says in Matthew 18, and that our works, our living, and our action, our lifestyle would cause people to see that and bring them what is it says, that they would look to the Father in heaven and, um, and see his glory and come to know him. Uh, so everything Jesus did was moving towards, was ushering in the kingdom of God, was, was coming to this earth to draw us into his family to save us and redeem us. Uh, with the hope that one day he's going to redeem this entire earth when he returns. And so John 18 leads us into the final parts of Jesus' ministry into where he is betrayed. He's done his ministry. He's been speaking, preaching, healing uh, out in public. And he's moved from the temple in the evening time to the Garden of Gethsemane, which was where he normally would take the disciples for teaching and just for himself for prayer and meditation. And I'm just going to read 18 verses 1 through 11. 
this morning and make a few comments to get us going. It says, when Jesus had spoken these words, uh, meaning the last several chapters, everything that took place at the Lord's Supper, sharing the supper together, and all the teaching that we see in the, in John gives us the most teaching, uh, 14, 15, 16, and even 17 along these lines. And so when he had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples across the brook Kidron. This is the east side of uh, Jerusalem, where there was a garden, which he and his disciples entered. Now Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. And so Judas, having procured a band of soldiers and some officers from the chief uh, priests and the Pharisees, went there with lanterns and torches and weapons. Then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, came forward and said to them, Whom do you seek? And they answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus said to them, I am he. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. This is awesome. Verse 6. And when Jesus said to them, I am he, they drew back and they fell to the ground with the words of Jesus. So he asked them again, Whom do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. So if you seek me, let these men go. This was to fulfill the word that he had spoken. He's talking about let his disciples go. Because only he could drink the cup of the crucifixion, obviously. Of those whom you gave me, I have lost uh, um, not one of them. Verse 10. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, (laughs) drew it, struck the high priest's servant, cut off his right ear. And the servant's name was Malchus. And so Jesus said to Peter, and we know in the other gospel accounts that Jesus immediately put his hand and healed um, Malchus's ear. Must have been a mighty miracle. And everything going on, the ear went off. (laughs) And Jesus uh, heals his ear immediately. Jesus said to Peter, put your sword into its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? What I want us to look at here is this clash of the kingdoms. And we see here clearly a clash and the the purpose and the the avenue of how the different kingdoms operate. The kingdom that Jesus came to usher in, the kingdom of God, right, was a kingdom of of the power of the Spirit of God. It was a a kingdom of, in this world now, we're called to deny ourselves, pick up our cross and follow Jesus. It's one of sacrifice. It's one of suffering. It's one of, of loving God, laying our lives down, right, for each other like Jesus modeled for us, Um. Is there a time to fight? Is there a time to engage? We'll talk a little bit about that. We live in a fallen world, uh, so there are times like that. But uh, for the kingdom of God to advance, it's always a peaceful right, a process here. So just a couple quick observations here. First of all, uh, Judas's struggle. Look, we know that Judas was one of the 12, and uh, we know that Judas never... He never was awakened to the kingdom of God. He, he, he always was bound. His agenda was always his own agenda, which was revolt against Rome. His agenda was always a political agenda. It was a revolt. It was revolution, physical revolution. And he could never let go of, of that. He wanted power. And we know that Judas, he was the one who took care of the money. He, we know that money and power and privilege ruled Judas. That's the way of the world. Money, power, and privilege. And we see that even Judas, and the world says that he procured these, um, the soldiers, the temple soldiers, the priests, and the Pharisees. But actually, the Greek word means that he went and got them. He didn't, it wasn't his, uh, he wasn't driving this as much as the, obviously, the temple priests and everyone else. And it says it came at nighttime with lanterns and weapons. Uh, and, and Jesus says, well, why are you coming at night? 
And why are you coming with these? That, again, is the way the kingdom of the world is force, money, power, right, privilege. Uh, and we see Jesus, or, or Judas, could never re- release uh, his, his grip, the grip he had on his way, the political way, the revolt against Rome. He, he just, his eyes never opened. He had every chance that all the disciples did to see what Jesus was doing. He had no room in his heart for a Messiah that was going to have to go and die for, uh, for our sins, first and foremost, to set the real change. And here it is, folks. Until the heart is changed, nothing's really changed. You can run, you can go after, spend your money, your time, and everything at every cause that is out there. But until people's hearts are changed, there's no lasting change in the world. And this is the kingdom of God to come, first and foremost, as a mission that transformed the human heart from the inside out. And that inner change needs to address and affect my outer action right? that I, that I take in the world. Uh, and, and Judas could never get a hold of that. And, and then we see... Not just Judas, but look at the religious leaders and the people that Jesus clashed with the most in his entire ministry were the religious leaders that, um, that, that just, they were caught up in the things of the world. And we see it over and over again. Again, money, power, and privilege. The religious leaders had all, those were the things in the scriptures that they loved money. They loved their privilege. They loved the power they had, though they were called upon by God to lead the way, to lead the people to God. In, in essence, what they did, they were in bed with the, the governmental leaders. They were completely consumed again by the things of the world. And we look back in church history, it's a dark, ugly thing when the church, again, takes hold of money, power, and privilege as the leading tip of the spear. When it influences the church, the church's influence is killed. The spirit of God is quenched right in the midst of, of all that. So the other one, I love here is just this is such one of these little things that John brings us, and we see that with only a word, look at the power of the kingdom of God. With only a word, they come with torches and, and violence and, and a, a mob basically to arrest Jesus. And, and, and the other thing I like is that Jesus goes to them. He, they don't have to find him, he goes straight at them. And who do you seek? And with a word, when, when they said, Jesus of Nazareth says, I am he, at that word, remember, this goes back to the Old Testament. Again, in all the Gospel of John is the great I am. Is Jesus saying who he is? He's God. He's one with the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And, and we know that, um, that Jesus is the Logos. He's the word of God. Right? He's the one who spoke, actually, the, of the three in, uh, persons of the Trinity, the creation, everything into place. And we know that his word has the power of just the word of God, right, to transform. And, and all through the scripture, it's pretty cool, all the way to Revelation, right, 19, we see in the end when Jesus returns, it will only be with the word that he brings justice. The enemies will fall. We see in Philippians 2 that every knee will bow. Every knee, every governmental power, every money, power, and privilege on this earth, it will bow when Jesus returns and the kingdom of God comes, right, to reign and rule and to redeem, right, this this earth once and for all. And so we see this, this clash. And then finally, if you have time, I don't have time this morning, but read the rest of this chapter and see Jesus when he's taken before Pilate, the, the Roman governor, the Roman ruler. And we see this exchange where Jesus says, I've, I've come, right, to bring truth. And Pilate says that, that, that incredible question, though it wasn't sincere, what is truth? And then he doesn't engage Jesus on it. And folks, it could be the most important question we ask in life. What is truth? And be a genuine seeker of what is truth. Unlike Pilate, and folks, that Pilate's 
what, how he responded to Jesus in the presence of that discussion is exactly where we are as a culture today. That is the essence of the kingdom of the world, one that doesn't really want to seek truth ultimately, but one who wants to, where are we at? I, I, here, and I don't have time to get into it, but just leave it to you to think about. But every one of our ills today that's going on in our country today is a result of us long ago, decades ago, playing with the idea of truth. And we live in a culture that says there is no absolute truth today. And this is why we have open lying taking place. This is why we have no ability to have healthy communication. Right? We have as a whole culture, basically, because we've taught our children this, that there is no absolute truth. Your truth is your truth. My truth is my truth. And that what that does is eliminate really any honest, deep understanding of what is truth. Right? And Jesus came right, to bear truth. I'm the way, the truth, the life. Right? And so we need to restore this question, right? As, as people of light, people of the kingdom, right? To understand uh, that truth is, that's what awakens healthy understanding of uh, uh, coming to understand each other and all, all, obviously ultimate truth of understanding who God is and what is going on in this world and to understand his kingdom. So again, the, the perspective we need to have it, are we living with a kingdom perspective? Now, um, just two more verses here. And then, uh, and I'm just touching the surface on this, but I just want to lay a quick foundation so we can practically apply it to, again, pandemics, politics, and protests uh, for us to discuss these things. Here's two um, verses, folks, and again, we could go over and over. And folks, I, I believe this is a massive problem today in the church. I believe that we are more consumed with really more than we'd ever understand a kingdom of world perspective when it comes to politics and circumstances in the world rather than a kingdom of God perspective that's leading out before we know how to respond and, and act. And uh, Colossians 1.13, folks, this is one of my favorite verses. Folks, listen to this. He, God the Father, God, has delivered us, rescued us from the domain, the kingdom of darkness, and has transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Salvation, folks, for too long we've been talking about it's just the forgiveness of sins. It's just, it's just Jesus helping me, my little self. It's so much bigger than that. The gospel is so much bigger than that of what he saves us and he has rescued you he's rescued me out of the kingdom of darkness which is the kingdom of the world which the next verse here first john 2 and you can find this multiple places but this world is passing away it doesn't matter how hard you work at saving the environment at saving the whales at saving whatever and don't get me wrong those are important things but if that's the tip of the spear, realize is this world is passing away. The scripture over and over repeats it. This is why Jesus is coming again, to renew it into its, its goodness. And if I do not have that understanding, then I'm going to be pulled right into the process of the kingdom of the world to, that I've got to save this world. It's not going to happen. History of the world shows it doesn't. We are incapable as a human race of doing that. And again, let's just think about where we're at with race relations right now. It should floor us. It should bring us to a place of repentance and brokenness that we're still having this discussion in this nation. It just shows, you know what? We, through policy, politics, until the heart is changed, nothing's really going to change. Until the kingdom of God is restored. And until then, God's people need to live that kingdom, need to move and realize that the priority is change hearts. Right? And those changed hearts need to come alongside with, yes, changing policy, yes, getting involved, but not, right, that, that priority has got to be set in a right, in a right way for, 
for us. So I, I hope that, that that makes sense, that to understand, folks, I think this is something we need to teach on and understand this idea of the two kingdoms. And that Jesus came and, and later on in, in um, John, uh, John 18, Jesus, when he tells Pilate clearly in the beginning of that discussion is, um, my kingdom is not of this world. Folks, that, that means if you follow Jesus, you are a part of Jesus' kingdom. And that kingdom is not part of this world. That means the part of his mission is that that mission is to change hearts, priority, and in the process of that, yes, get involved with practical change as much as we can. But our hope cannot be in legislation. It cannot be in the cause of, of, of getting something done because we know, just look at the history of the world, look at our own nation, it will not, it will not bring about lasting change. Only the heart change will take place. Now, that does not mean we do not active. Remember, gospel preaching, gospel action. Yes, we need to take action, but that action must be from a heart that's consumed by the love and the power of God and led by the Spirit of God, not by the social pressure of the world. I'm going to say it again. I will be of this world if I let social pressure of the world drive my decisions of what I'm doing rather than the Holy Spirit changing my heart out of compassion like Jesus did. He saw the, the, the crowds and, and he moved in action. Which one is driving me? The pressure, social pressure? Or is it the Spirit of God? And I, I fear that so much of our action, even as a church today, as, as individuals, more of my action is motivated by the pressure, social pressure, Media, all these things, rather than what? By the Spirit of God. And those are two radically different kingdoms. And folks, we can find ourselves being followers of Jesus, but actually living more for advancing the kingdom of the world than the kingdom of God. And this needs to be a restoration of understanding, right? Gospel power and how that, right, affects our heart and, and uh, and how we go about change in a healthy way, right? And to make some decisions. So let me just transition. Uh, I'll leave that with you, but there's so much more that we can talk about when it comes to uh, understanding, having a foundation of what is gospel change? What, what does it mean for me to, to be a follower of Jesus and to follow his cause in the world? Uh, well, what is, what is that all about? What does that look like? So let me, uh, let me dive in. Let's get, let's get real practical this morning with three different areas. And I want to address several things. I'm going to throw a lot of passages, um, but just thoughts your way. I hope you'll take notes. Uh, we need to have this discussion, healthy discussion, right, and flesh some of this stuff out. And so, again, the title of this morning we're going after is how to change the world, how to have a genuine kingdom of God perspective in the midst of all this stuff going on in the world uh, beyond, let's go beyond pandemics, politics, and protests, right? Let's, let's have a healthy biblical understanding of, of how God would have his church be that city on a hill to be that change agent in a, in a healthy way. So the first one is just uh, thinking about this idea of pandemics that we've been through. I don't want to spend too much time here, but I, I just wanted to lay out some, some, some things. We're in the, still in the midst of this pandemic, and, uh, and this doesn't mean to be a downer, but folks... Um, you know what? This is uh, um, not the last pandemic. This is the beginning. Scripture makes it very clear. This is just part of the birth pains. The birth pains of this groaning earth. Romans 8 says the creation itself is groaning. It's groaning because it's fallenness. It needs restoration. Only Jesus, why Jesus is coming back to restore this earth right here, right? To, so that God's presence can again be with his people, right, on, on this earth. 
is it's growing. This pandemic is not the beginning. It's a birth pain. Uh, and and we, if you read the scriptures, Matthew 24, right, all of the discourse, Jesus lays this out real clear that the, all these things that are moving. And folks, let me just say, it's going to, this isn't just the first, but it's going to get worse. Now, now you say, wow, Steve, I need some hope here or anything. If I'm living with a kingdom of the world mentality, then that, then that makes me depressed. But if I'm living with the kingdom of God mentality, to realize is that this is part of God's plan, right? To wake up this world, to wake up our hearts, to realize we need to be, we need God to come save this place. Or starting with my heart right here, right? Then there, there, there's the hope. It's my perspective of what I'm looking at. Am I looking for the kingdom? Remember, Jesus said, we're clear, seek first, Roman, or uh, Matthew 6, 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other worries of the world will be added. We, as God's people, need to re-adjust re, re, uh, that, right, that, that priority. So this isn't going to be the first pandemic, folks. It's, it's going to get worse, and it's up to God's people, right, to make sure that we lead by faith and not by fear, that faith is leading the way um, on this. And uh, remember, we've got to be salt and, and light in, in this world, even in the midst of, of these, these tough things. So... Um, Anyway, there's more we could, uh, you know, say there, but I, I want to move on and spend most of our time on these, I mean, these next couple. Uh, except I do want to end this pandemic idea to say, folks, the kingdom of God perspective realizes that, you know what's waiting? The good news of the gospel is what Jesus is returning. And God's people should more and more, and the scripture says, the day gets closer, we should be more and more longing, Jesus, come, Jesus, come. Mary, not the, come, Lord Jesus, come, Lord Jesus. Right, to, to this world, and there should be a welling up of that desire, of that expectation, of that hope that should overflow to others. That's where the conversation should go in the midst of fear and pandemics and masks and social distancing. Everything is we the, to be salt and light means we change the discussion. We are to change the discussion to hope, change the discussion to the gospel, change the discussion to people's hearts. How, how, how is your heart in this? Where's your security? Or where is your hope ultimately in this? And I think all of these things, why is God moving this? One of the reasons why is because, you know, we need some hard knocks to wake us up to realize how much we need God, how much we need a Savior. And throughout history, in our own lives, without suffering, without some of these trials, it, we just don't get there. And the world itself, right, will not get there. And so a healthy kingdom of God perspective, right, on these things. All right. Next one, beyond politics. Um, wow. Okay. Um, lots we could say here. Um, let me just encourage us. Church, if you know Jesus, I just, I plead with you, is more of your conversation the greatness, the glory of the gospel, or is it politics? I plead with you with all my heart from a practical standpoint, let's stop all of our posting and reposting. It is not advancing anything good even if you think you're right, even if it's a wonderful post, is we have inside the church now people defriending people on Facebook, right? It is, is we're leading the way. We need to have gospel conversation more than political conversation. We are people of the kingdom. This world, America, is passing away. Ultimately, we have the kingdom perspective, Yes, we get involved. Yes, we, we serve. Yes, we advance good things. Yes. 
But our perspective, right, needs to be one of God's kingdom. And we have to be people of joy. We've got to make sure that in a conversation, and what I want to challenge us all to is in the midst of a heated discussion, we're there by the Holy Spirit to change that discussion to something of the gospel. Get below on a heart basis because you know what? I'm telling you right now, we should know that dialogue is not getting us anywhere. Right? We must listen, and we must get below the surface, right, to be able to pull out what's in people's hearts, right, and be king, people of the kingdom of light, right, who bear. Remember, Jesus called us to be his witnesses. He didn't call us to be political activists. He called us to be a witness of the kingdom of God. Now, I, I just want to say that as clear as I can. He did not call anyone to be a political activist. You could be, but that needs to be a personal calling on yours after, first and foremost, I am called to be a witness of the kingdom of God, of the glory of what Jesus has done. That must be the tip of the spear of what I talk about. If not, guess what? I'm advancing. I'm more wrapped up in the things of the world than I am the things of the kingdom, right? So, um, yeah, gang, I, I, uh, I, I, I just think we need to really think and be wise in all this posting, right? Social pressure. And I'm using that terminology because that's what I'm going to address it here in just a minute. Social pressure advances the things of the world. It does not advance the kingdom. It does not advance anything good. Okay? And it leads to, to, to more frustrations. So I, I just uh, uh, throw it out there. Is, let's be prayerful. Lord, is this post? What, how about let's post some gospel stuff? Right? That's not politically like a little jab. But it's the truth of God. I'm not saying we don't talk about politics. Of course we do. It's important. We need to. But man, is what's the priority? Is it legislation? Is it election? Or is it the kingdom of God? Is it people's hearts? Am I more concerned about that person's heart I'm talking to? Or am I more concerned about them not having my political views? Super important here. We must change the tone. And folks, the only people in America that can do that is the church. It is up to us to change that tone, right? All right, let's get to the one I want to spend the most time talking about, which is just beyond protests. Um, and uh, we're going to talk about privilege, all this stuff, and just throw some stuff out this morning. And again, I hope you take some notes <clears throat> on, on all this. But um, hey, we live in a country where, thank God, we still have freedoms that we have, right? And, and, and protests have been used in positive ways and in negative ways. We have the freedom to do that. And um, <clears throat> we need to be wise. So I just want to uh, present some different perspectives here and then get down and end this with very three very practical things about thinking about protest, okay? And um, I, uh, yeah, let me just, I'm just going to dive in on these. The first one is just a gospel perspective on race. Let's start there, Okay. Uh, let's just go to Galatians 3.28. Folks, let me just, uh, this is, <laughs> there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Every, he came to redeem every tongue, tribe, and nation in the world. There is no message in all the world that is more powerful and uniting and embracing than the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is no message in all the world, the goodness of the gospel of Jesus, to knock down ethnic walls, knock down gender walls, knock down all race issues, everything else, the powerful gospel of Jesus. And the, and the reality, as I said before, is the heart has to be changed. Yes, we need to change, do practical things. But the ultimate change comes when the heart 
right is changed. And there's only one thing that radically changes the heart. And that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's it. And that is what we're to be advancing. That is what we should be consumed with, the love. And when I realize how much God loved me and how much forgiveness and grace he showered on me, it's going to put me into perspective, right, of, of listening to others and valuing their perspective and hopefully being, hopefully being a vessel, right, uh, to, to others, right, of the goodness of God. So that's just, we've got to start there with the gospel perspective on this. And again, folks, gospel message and gospel action, okay? So don't hear me saying we're not to be taking action. I'm going to get to this. It's just how we take action and what is leading that action. How am I, I listening to, to that action, right? So the next thing is just gospel perspective on communication. Folks, um, when God redeems us, when change takes place, is this should, if the gospel is taking hold, it should, the Holy Spirit should be bringing about the fruit of the Spirit in my life. And this fruit of the Spirit in my life should make me someone that completely changes the way I talk to others, the way I listen to others. It is the church that should be bridging this gap, should be listening more, engaging more. And one of the questions that came in is, how can we encourage uh, you know, people to understand uh, and encourage this, the Black Lives Matter movement? Well, it, the, it, it's right here to begin with is, is let's have a discussion. Let's talk. Let's get perspective. It's, it's easy to sit back and just tweet away and send out reposting things. But I, I just want to be real clear. Do you have any African-American friends in your life? Do you? I would say if you don't and if you haven't had the time to listen to them, then you really need to be careful what you say and how you post and your perspective on things. And this goes for any issue out there is um, we, we've got to be able to listen. We've got to be able to understand and uh, what perspective, right, from, from, from people's uh, hearts and, and perspective on this thing. Um, boy, this, is, this wasn't even a plan, but, uh, but Mr. Jackson is here uh, with us, uh, and I've been blessed by a conversation, 85 years old, um, and uh, grew up uh, sharecropping with his father in Kentucky. And, and even listening to even his experience in these in this valley right here of abuse and of racism and things, it, it's like wow. Because you know what, if you're white, you're blind to it, and so there's a reality, and you've got to be uh, be open to listen right to the real stories and build a bridge of understanding. That's gospel message. That's gospel heart forming. To realize is Jesus came to save and unite in oneness every tongue. Right, tribe and nation, right, in the world. And so, um, boy, someone asks, how can we? Well, you know, it starts with the conversation. And, uh, and, and again, this could be just with anybody. Of di- this should be with all people of difference. Is That's where it's amazing. If you sit down at the table and you have a conversation with somebody, it could be you, uh, you, their arch enemy in your, your mind. But once a conversation happens and some understanding comes, it's amazing what happens. Now, you add on to that the gospel and our call to seek and love people with the goodness of Jesus, right? And, and this is where real healing, right, can, can take place. Um, gospel perspective on repentance. Um, gang, I, I just, all through the scripture, you could go to Nehemiah. Before Nehemiah went back to Jerusalem, Nehemiah was consumed. And when he prayed before God, he, he also prayed not just for his own sin, but for the sin of his people, for Israel, of rejecting God. 
And we see in the scripture multiple times in the sense of that there's this community. So we, if we as a church, there, we are a family. So in some sense, yet we're only, we will only stand before God and be responsible for our personal actions. But there is a sense we as a church uh, also impact each other. So there is this aspect of corporate sin that we should have a heart of repentance and hunger and humility through this whole thing. The Lord, it, we have to be honest with our past. There's some ugly ugly pieces of history and, and we don't have to focus on that but we just have to be honest with that and, and the powerful thing there is it should set in us a heart of repentance and in my own heart right before God to walk humbly right before him that is absolutely key in this because we see a lot of anger and let me tell you anger remember James tells us be quick to listen slow to speak what slow to anger anger does not bring about the righteousness of God let me rephrase that anger never brings about healthy change so it, 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 when the anger fires into in, in flames in, in our culture, it's God's people that need to come alongside, right, and, and, and get a healthy perspective, right, and, and humility in this and not, not be moved out of anger, right, but be moved out of great compassion, right, for God's kingdom and what he wants to do for people and to listen to people, right, have compassion. Um, all right, a healthy Gospel perspective on justice. Um, take Micah 6, 8. Uh, beautiful. Oh, let me step back. Let me give another verse. Second Chronicles 7, 14. You've heard before when it comes to repentance. And folks, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven and I'll forgive their sin and heal their land. Right? That, that is a corporate understanding of humility and repentance before God's people, before God for not just my own sin, but wow, we have not been the church we need to be, God. Right? In, in a sense of humility that moves us, that gets God's attention right, to come right, and do great things. Um, justice. God's gospel perspective on justice. Um, boy, this is universal, isn't it? is that when we see or especially experience injustices, we are riled up to action, right? It takes almost being faced with an injustice, right, to get to a place of maybe action, right? It's easy to sit back and, and watch others if, if injustice has been done to them. But, but I want us to have a healthy kingdom of God perspective on this idea of justice. Remember, it all needs to come back to the gospel to understand what, and this is a great discussion with people who are angry because of the injustice that's going on in this issue or that issue, is let's talk about that. Let's talk about how do you think justice is really going to come about ultimately, right? Where, where is that going to happen? Because you know what? We look around the world today, and what cause are you going to give your life to? Because there's a thousand causes out there. There's a thousand injustices that are happening out there. And even we have sex trafficking, slavery going on right now under our noses in our own country. In other words, which cause are you going to give yourself to? Because I could go down a list of, of terrible things that, that we need to take action on, right? And so the question is, man, I, we can jump here from there. And, and again, is social pressure moving the dial for you? Or is the Spirit of God moving the dial for you and leading you, listening to, to God and, and the right way to go about what, what needs to happen, right? And uh, so justice is something that we have to get below the surface and understand that it has to come back to the gospel. It has to come back to the cross. At the cross, Jesus, the justice of God crossed with the mercy of God. And it did for us and for the world that nothing else could do. God, right? He, he forgave my sins, which means that Jesus took the penalty for my sin. He stood in my place, in your place. He, 
he, he, he provided for justice of all the other injustices in, in all the world. And Jesus returning to once and for all with a word to be able to make right all the wrongs in the world. And so if, if, if my drive, if I think my cause, if I think my action is going to right some injustices, I'm in for a really hard life. I'm in for some serious disillusionment. But if I understand that my actions are backed up by understanding that one day God has brought the solution, and that solution first has to be applied to the heart to understand my place before God, a just God. And he will, he is in control, and he will bring about his justice, right, in his time in this world. Then I can have a peace in this and listen to the Spirit of God, how to, to move in and realize, not put too much weight in the action Right, that's taking place out there. Realize that, man, ultimately God is going to have to heal the land and, and take care of these injustices, right, around the world. And so I would just say, man, let's let our cry for justice drive us to the cross first. That's a kingdom. Out. Otherwise, we'll be driven to the ways of the world. My cry for justice must take me first to the gospel, to the cross of Jesus, to where he defeated the power of sin and the power of death. So that all things, right, could be new again, starting, right, with, with our own heart, right, and our own, our own mindedness. Um, and, and, folks, I think just, boy, this means I have to saturate my, and, and this just comes down to a practical thing, right? The reason why the church, why we are, are, are spun out of control and we're not responding the right way is because, you know what? We're feeding ourselves more with uh, media and news and Facebook and other things than we are the Word of God. And I might tell you right now, just take a look at the time. If you have more time in Facebook and your media than you do the Word of God, I can promise you, you will be living more the kingdom of the world than the kingdom of God. It's just, gonna, it's just what you feed is what is going to come out. And, and, that, and that's, that's our great problem today, right? That's why so many believers are just having and presenting in public even a wrong perspective on everything that's going on. Um, Boy, I, I think just, I, I think of Acts chapter 4, the church gathered again. They were filled, empowered by the Spirit of God at Pentecost, came on them in fire, and they boldly went out. The first thing on their, they were bold in preaching the good news. And, and chapter 4 comes along, and they're in prayer again, and they're pleading with God, what? For more of the Spirit in their life, and what? So that we may be bolder in our proclamation of the good news. And folks, I don't know what is happening, but the proof that we're not in the Word of God and the fire of God is not among us is where are the Christians passionate about sharing the good news of Jesus? We've bought the lie that I can go out there and be part of a cause and that I can be part of doing something and not say anything. That is false. Jesus called you to be a witness. First and foremost, that must be at the tip of the spear. My action and everything else must be secondary to that. Otherwise, I'm advancing the kingdom of the world in what I'm doing. It's a both and, but the priority, right, is that message must be there. In the early church, you see the fire that went out. It was so they could boldly proclaim to people the good news of Jesus and take risk in doing it. But we bought this lie by, oh, we just got to be relational. We just got to take some time. We got to, you know, well, no, that's not what we see right in, in the scripture. People who are on fire with the kingdom of God is they are people of the message. They're people of the solution, the ultimate solution Right, to everything that's going on in our culture today and in the world. Because of what it's done for us, how he's redeemed us, given us a new heart and, and all those things. So this justice must take us right to, right to the gospel. Uh, something just practical. I just talked to Mr. Jackson before the service here. Um, 
in uh, just reading, it's fascinating. Just people ask them for some practical things. Well, what do we do with this Black Lives Matter thing? And, you know, it's interesting. In the 60s, the civil rights movement, is it began, the center of that with Martin Luther King was the church. And they would preach the gospel. They'd go downstairs to the basement of the church, and they would pray in a prayer meeting, and then they would talk about healthy protests, and they'd go out and they'd take action. And, and, and that was the center of everything. And then, of course, other things, you know, took place. But the problem today, we need to pray. A practical thing to do is to pray for our inner city, well, just our African-American brothers and sisters, leaders and pastors and others. Because today, what's happening is a fragmentation between the African-American church and the young uh, protesters in many ways. There's, just, there's not this unity right together that needs to take place. Here's the deal. We make a national uh, uh, progress. We can put legislation everything, and we need to. But the bottom line is it must get to the local level. The responsibility, the focus must be in that local community with the churches and the community and, and the government and everything in that local level to see change take place. Otherwise, all the marching, all the decisions will bear, will bear little fruit. And we see this in the case of the church, right? We see that you, we can have these great conferences and these big things and we can preach the word of God. But when we come home, if it's not put into place in action with our neighbors who we live with, with those that we're in church with, you know what? It change doesn't really take place. So we have to pray for local change. Uh, those who practically step into people's lives and, and listen well, right, uh, and make some change. So that's just a, a, a general thing there for us to think about. All right, gospel perspective on privilege. Um, I'm going to give you something I think is going to be a complete different perspective than maybe you've ever heard before, okay? A kingdom of God perspective on privilege, okay, is, let me just be blunt with you. This is Matthew 19, 20. This is what Jesus said. He said, it's harder for a rich man to go to heaven than a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Let me say it again. It's harder for a rich man to get to heaven I have eternal life than a camel to go through the eye of the needle. Now, thankfully, the next few verses says what's impossible with man is possible with God, right? In Philippians chapter 2 or 3, Paul says this about his privilege. And he was extremely, in fact, he had the height of the privilege. He was trained by the best trainer uh, theologically. He had the highest privilege in, in culture. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He had power. He had money. He had influence. And what did he say? He said, all of that, Paul said, all of that is, and the word he uses, scubalon, basically means all that is crap compared to what I have in Christ Jesus. And so I think we need a different perspective on this, right? A kingdom of God perspective on privilege. And I'm going to speak very bluntly about where we live. We live right here in Aspen, Colorado, in the midst of the one percenters in the world. And I want to ask you, has all of this privilege that we see around Aspen, has it opened hearts to God and to the important things in life? Or has it had, has been a hindrance? Scripture is bluntly clear. It is a hindrance, as he said, harder for Rich man to get to heaven there because it, money, power, and privilege, what do they do? They keep me locked and dependent on the kingdom of this world rather than the kingdom of heaven. The importance here is to see those things as blessing, as stewardship, to be, to be leveraged, right, for the kingdom of God. But we live right here. Are people hungry for God here in Aspen, Colorado? I don't know about you, but you walk through town. You, you walk around this place. Does being in this place increase your hunger for God or the things of the world? 
Because you can walk around here. We have the best of the world. It's awesome. It is God's blessing. But it all is determined on how I see that. Right? And folks, remember, Jesus came to preach to the poor. Why does the scripture say that? Right? That's, that's, that's prophecy, right? Jesus, he first stood up, right? That's Isaiah 61. His first message in the synagogue was, man, Jubilee year is I have come right to bring the good news to the poor. Now, why is that? And so I, I could go on and on here. I just, we need to radically rethink something here when it comes to how we understand privilege. And this is on both sides of whether you had it or whether you don't. Is we need to think from a kingdom of God perspective, man, is that privilege really a privilege when it comes to eternal things, when it comes to really advancing the kingdom and opening somebody's heart? I mean, in the, in the scheme of things, what's important? I have a little privilege here on earth or whether I have privilege from my heavenly father. See, privilege is a beautiful, it, it speaks about the inheritance we have as his children, right? So I need to mainly speak to people about the gospel, about the privilege, right, that we have in the gospel, eternal inheritance that far surpasses any privilege we might have here, right? hope that makes sense. Man, more we could say, I hope you just take a chew on it, have discussion about that. Because the bottom line is, is it is, 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 uh, we can go one of two ways. It needs to be seen. A healthy understanding of privilege is, folks, it's a blessing from God. We need to honor it. We have, it's stewardship, but boy, got to be careful. And, 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 or we can lead to a place of entitlement. And folks, that's destructive when entitlement fits in. When I think I've got rights, let me just be a little wake-up call for us. Guess what? If you know Jesus, if you're going to follow Jesus, to follow him, for him to be your savior, you have to give up all your rights. You have to give everything up. I cannot, I'm not, me says, if you're going to follow me, you must deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. The Christian way is a laying down of, I have no rights before God. I stand before a gracious God who pours out an eternal inheritance that I could never deserve. That's grace. But I have no rights. I can never stand before God. But God, I did this. I deserve this. And so a gospel message in our country has to go and attack this idea of, of oh, I've got some rights, right? I, I, I've got some rights and, and build a sense of entitlement. Entitlement will never lead someone to a healthy life, period, plain, simple. It never leads to anything healthy, okay? So that's just a key. We have to have a healthy kingdom perspective when we look at these issues, when we talk to people, when we hear all the social pressure of what, right, that's, that's going on. All right. Let me just end some practical things about protesting. And, um, man, I know there will be people who disagree with some of this, but, but you know what? We need to be able to talk and, and listen to each other. But I just want to give you three primary things to talk about, think about, with hopefully putting everything through the filter of the gospel and a, and a kingdom of God perspective. First is this, <clears throat> is that most protests, we have to think about this, is that uh, just practically is that... Um, Almost always a protest is going to be promoting multiple agendas, not just one. And so if you are all, all really wanting to go protest a certain issue, right, um, let's just get real practical right now. If you're wanting to go protest racism, which is, a good, which is, which is good to protest against, right, which is let's, let's get some, some uh, change to some systemic problems that we know we have. Yes, that's important. But the problem is you might go and protest, but at the same time, the other agenda that's being promoted is defund the police. And that might not be something that you can support. 
right? Maybe you do, maybe you don't. But you know what? There's always other agendas. And you might just find yourself in a video actually seeing, being promoting something you really don't want to promote. And that could even be just people's actions. So I just have to think about that, right, before I think about going and protesting. I have to think about uh, the context, right, that's, that's taking place here. Second thing is just to think about in this, this process is just, and this is a practical one of danger, one of just being wise. In other words, folks, is there's no guarantee that that crowd will not turn into a mob. Okay? I'm just, just practical things, right? It doesn't matter who's leading it. doesn't matter where it's at. doesn't matter what it's being done is that you could find yourself in a situation that you can't control and that is, has you advocating something and being put on a side you don't want to be on. It's wisdom, just wisdom, right, with this, practical wisdom. And I want to end just with this final thing, and I think this just brings it all, all together, and I want us to really think deeply about this. And this is what I'd say to anybody who's, who's thinking about protesting something, is the discussion needs to be, has my life been more about proclaiming the gospel of Jesus. When was the last time I boldly talked to someone about Jesus because I was moved by the compassion that without Jesus, they are destined to an eternity away from God? In other words, am I passionate? If I'm a follower of Jesus, the pattern in my life needs to be that is my main cause. That is my main call is to Boldly engage people with the truth of Jesus at the cost of being rejected, at the cost of losing a friend, at the cost of not being politically correct, at the cost of being willing to be reviled. As you said, you're blessed if you're reviled for sharing my name. In other words, I need to think about, am I bold for the gospel of Jesus? That he's the way, the truth, the life, that he's the only way. That justice can come and that salvation can come. If I'm not boldly really embracing that first, but that I'm, all, uh, I'm pouring my time and passion into other pursuits and causes, then you know what? I, I need to think about which kingdom am I advancing? Which one has a grip on my heart, right? And, and if I'm going to go protest, if I feel led to protest something, then you know what? I need to just say, all right, Lord, Holy Spirit, is this, can I do this and be a light for you in that place? And you know what? We're going to have, we need to be able to realize that in God's house, we're going to have different opinions on that. Some are going to be led, yes, by God, I need to go do that, great. And some are going to be, um, uh, are going to, uh, to feel like, wow, I, no, I don't think I need to do that. And you know, that's okay. And here's the other important thing about, about this whole thing is, is that what I feel called to do when it comes to one thing we can unite on is God's people. And that is that our general encouragement to share Jesus with people. And I would just practically get, when was the last time that we shared Jesus boldly with somebody? This is the problem in the church because that is real change. That is the priority of what God calls us to do. That has to be restored. And then that needs to lead me to, okay, how and what are my actions going to be when it comes to protests or anything else, right, action politically or whatever it is, is I need to, where's my heart, right? Well, what kingdom, right, am, am I ultimately advancing? But here's what's important in this is that what I feel called to do, my conviction of, let's just say, protesting or, or not protesting, is I cannot, it is wrong for me to impose shame on somebody else for not doing that, okay? And we need healthy discussion of, hey, tell me about why, 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 why did you feel like you wanted, what, what is, talk to me about that. It's good, this is a good discussion. But for me to say you shouldn't, well, I, maybe we can say that after we get some details. Or for a person to say, you should, you're not taking action. 
we need to realize is that God leads his people to take action different ways. Different gifts, different people, different times, right? And that's called just <laughs> the healthy biblical gospel aspect of, of uh, tolerance. Loving each other and listening well, right, to each other. So I, I just want to end there. Is that, man, somehow in the church, our main passion, folks, has got to be a restoration of who Jesus is. To be witnesses of his glory, of his goodness. He is the one who is the solution to all of this. And am I willing, right, to go and, and, and engage people boldly with that? Right? Or, or have I bought into the world's kind of lie of I need to soft sell that thing. Or I need to kind of keep silent. Or I need to be more about, you know, action out there doing something and, and be silent when it comes to the goodness of God. May the Lord help us, right, in this. So, um, Anyway, a lot more we can say. I hope those are just some things to think about. And, uh, man, let's engage on this. Let us know if you got any questions on this stuff. Um, man, we, we've got to dive in. Anything before we go that, that uh, on the... Well, yeah, you got a, you got oh. a few lists. Um, I imagine. It's a good one. Uh, for, first, I wanted to inform the viewers that this is anonymous. So if you wanted to text in yeah. and you're kind of nervous, um, it's an anonymous when it comes in. So mm -hmm. uh, send in your questions at any point. Yeah. Um, let's see. When the message of social pressure contradicts the message of the gospel, how do we combat that without, uh, what did it say? How do we combat that, basically, without mm -hmm. being getting into political or mm -hmm. um, being called a racist? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question, right? And so name-calling, right? Again, and we just have to stay away. We, we have to model something different from that, right? And, and so I, I just know in my, and it's so easy, right? I, I look at myself and I quickly want to go to kind of address an issue, like boldly, like is uh, the answer has got to be in all of our communication, you know, uh, online and in one-on-one that we, uh, we are spirit-led. We keep in step with the spirit. Holy Spirit, you lead this discussion. Show me what is beneficial in this discussion. And I think as God's people, our priority is people's hearts. It's not policy. Let me say that again. As God's people, our priority is God, people's hearts. It's not public policy. Public policy is second tier to my heart and dealing with other people's hearts. So the way I combat that is I just, okay, am I engaged in people's hearts? Am I asking the right questions, getting below the surface and being willing to listen and apply the gospel? And secondary policy of, of how, what action, right, I'm going to take. But that's a big question. We could talk a lot more yeah. about it. Uh, and this next person sent in two questions, which is great. Um, what are some practical suggestions or ways we can combat entitlement in our hearts? And then is there a difference between social pressure and social interpretation, inspiration? Oh, that, yeah, that's, that's good. Um, so uh, I, I, I'll just go back to, to reiterate something I said is that um, what's the first part of that question again? Uh, what are some practical suggestions or ways we can combat entitlement in our yeah, hearts? Great. So um, uh, let's start here. Folks, we have to preach the gospel to ourselves every day to make sure that I'm kingdom-minded throughout the day. The Spirit of God is speaking and leading me, not social pressure, not my own flesh, but the, but the gospel, right? And, and when it comes to entitlement and everything, it needs to come to, that's where the gospel comes, where God, I, the, the grace you have for me, the eternity you have for me is, and, and, and here's a tough question. Jesus might call us to lay down every one of our rights. Do you know every one of the gospel, every one of the disciples at one time or another had to lay down every one of their rights for the kingdom of God, for Jesus' call? Am I willing to do that? 
or am I willing to fight right for those right there's a, there's a real intense uh, thing so and, and, and when it comes to Entitlement is we have to focus on our inheritance. I need to be in the scripture and realize the eternal inheritance blessing that God has for me. Not so, and that should be prim- primary over my earthly inheritance focus, right? And uh, that takes just time in the Word of God, right? Bef- before Him. So, um, and as far as social inspiration, um, is yes, that's a great question. Is there is places where we can the kingdom of God can align with what's going on with the kingdom of the world? But boy, that's touchy. And this is where we need the Spirit of God to to be led by the Holy Spirit to give us lead us right into that wisdom to make sure that we're not being led astray, right? We're not calling something social inspiration when it's really social pressure, right? Is uh, but just prayerful. We have to let God lead us right in all that. So, and one last one. Uh, came in, is there any place for a gospel rally valley-wide to proclaim the gospel, like a valley-wide worship service, inviting protest organizers, people of all ethnicities? Well, I, I, I personally don't have a vision calling for that yet. Um, we're in interesting times. I think that this, there's a lot we could talk about this. And this is, again, where different people have different callings and different leadings, which is awesome. Because we need a vast majority of gifting and, and perspective. But this is my own perspective on the thing. Is until the church, until we, let's just speak of our local church right here. Until we individually can boldly move into regularly proclaiming and speaking of the gospel to others individually. I don't think we need to do anything on a large scale. Does that make sense? Until I personally, until we individually are responsible and obedient to what God calls us to do, which is share and be a witness of what Jesus has done for us with others, talk boldly about Jesus individually with people, I don't think we need to be going and planning probably something. I'd say that across for the church in America today is we need to start with being personal obedience, right, to the the call, and then let's see where that goes. Again, it's back to this issue. We can do these huge campaigns, these huge rallies, fill up stadiums and everything. If that message does not get practically down to the local level, real change doesn't happen. Very little change happens. And that's for the church, spiritual things. That's for politics, right? We can pass laws up in Washington, D.C., but I'm telling you, if those things are not brought down into the local level, and this this is the problem, right? This is the problem. So let's start personal responsibility as followers of Jesus, and let's let those testimonies rise and encourage each other as we hear about some opportunity. And it just starts with being available. Is that a regular thing that we pray every day? Lord, make me available. Lord, let me share your goodness. Let me encourage somebody. Let me, let me get to somebody's heart. Let me be used to get someone a little closer to Jesus today. Let me love them and have that compassion, Jesus, you had for them. That is where we start, I think, on a daily basis. And that will lead us into healthy expressions, I think, that happen on a, on a larger scale. So... Thanks for your questions this morning. I hope you'll take these things. Let's continue this discussion. We'll see where next week comes. We can, might be come back and address some of these things next week in this People series. Um, man, uh, so excited to gather together again uh, on July 5th. We'll hopefully get some detailed news out to you this week. Um, we're here. Let us know if we can help you, pray for you, encourage you. Uh, continue this discussion. Call us. Email us. We'll get a coffee. Church is open here throughout the week. Um, let, me, um, let me just pray. And I hope that you'll take time right now, wherever you're at, 
at home with your family, your friends. I hope you take time. Turn this off and, and just, just be with each other and, and, and get into each other's hearts. Just raise some issues. And, hey, if there's disagreement with anything that we've talked about at this point, please let us know. Man, let's just shoot that off to us. We'll, we'll, we'll dive into that, you know, together on this thing. But have some good discussion and, and hopefully just some prayer time with each other uh, this morning. Father, thank you for this morning. Lord, we just uh, we love you. God, awaken our hearts, Lord. Awaken our hearts, Lord. Be bearers of that light, that goodness, Lord. And, and Lord, give us wisdom that we know how to take action. Wisdom to know when to take action and what to take action. Lord, teach us that, that beautiful thing of keeping in step with your spirit, Lord. And being people of light, Lord. Being people, Lord, who, who are just excited and bold about Jesus, who you are. And proclaiming your name, Jesus. Proclaiming your name, um, Lord, teach us, show us how to do that in an authentic, beautiful way, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thanks for tuning in. And, oh, yes, and I'm just reminded, and thank you for those of you who obviously partner with us in worship and giving um, to Christ's body, as church, the family of God. There's three different ways you can do this. Obviously, you can mail it in. You can do it by text, which is cool. We tried that the other day. It was kind of wild. And um, online. Um, obviously regular giving. Thank you, thank you, thank you to all of you who have converted over to giving online. Um, that's wonderful. It helps Bob out, uh, all of our folks behind the scenes working. Um, it's wonderful. And remember, giving is about worship. It, it's, it's not just about keeping lights on. It's about worship. It's where our heart is uh, in this whole thing. Remember, the kingdom of this world is based on money, power, and privilege, right? The kingdom of God, right, is based on the things of God and how I use my money reveals, right, so much about where my heart is, right, where our heart is, where our treasure is, where our heart is, is what Scripture says. So um, thank you for, for those of you who, uh, who are just worshiping with us in, uh, in giving. Um, God bless you. Uh, hope you have an awesome day. Hope you have some great discussion right now. See you next week. Thank you for listening to this message. To hear other messages or learn more about Crossroads Church, visit our website at ccaspen.com.